Welcome back to another episode of Gaming with Sidekicks, the podcast. We are bringing a review podcast for you today to talk about all the things we did at a little mini-con that uh, myself and my co-host got to do. This is Isaac along with my co-host, Stuart. Stuart, how's it going tonight, sir? Cannot complain. It is a beautiful day. Indeed it is. We just crossed over the U.S.-Mexico border on our way into Arizona, coming back from a week stay at Casa de Old Blue, right, uh, to uh, get a, a fun family vacation in for Stuart and I, our, our families, and of course, board games. I made sure to pack well, pretty much one entire suitcase of, of uh, board games, got stopped at... Um, uh, airport security for them to go through and check all the different stuff. They swabbed the cards. They double checked to make sure that, you know, Skull King was a legal thing to bring on the airplane. So we had a lot of fun. Got to the beach, got to enjoy some great food, and of course, got some great games at the table. So we want to talk about some of the things we got to play, some new to us, uh, new to Stuart, new to me games, and, and what we enjoy the most. So we're going to start. Uh, we're just going to kind of go down the line. Um, we had a few we got to play. Let's start with some of the smaller ones. Uh, we had a, a small game from the Pac-O-Gum series called Dig. Uh, it's a little game. I don't know if uh, any of you have had a chance to play any of these small games. But Dig is a game that is literally the size of a pack of gum. It involves setting up a line of uh, yard cards that are these tiny little cards that have a colored bone, uh, dog bone on the back. And as a dog, you traverse up and down the yard, picking up the bones, dropping them into bowls, and then trying to dig a hole and drop them in to score. You score points based on where the bowls end up in the line. And uh, it's a variable point game as uh, you're scoring five, four, three, two, one points for each color. And most people are, are digging and burying probably three to five bones. It's a very simple game. These uh, Paco Gum games are meant to be quick and easy to play. Probably five minutes to explain, 15 minutes to play. Easy travel. Don't take up a lot of real estate on the table. And uh, when we got in probably two or three times this weekend, uh, Sue, what would you think of the, the Dig game? Yeah, it was neat. Uh, it was you know, quick to play, like you said. And, uh, there was no necessary player interaction, but the uh, what I enjoyed about it is that the board state always was changing. And so you can think, oh, I'm going to go after all these, like, you know, blue bones because they're going to be worth five or four. And then all of a sudden, you know, another bowl gets moved in front of it. And so the point values diminished for anything below it. So the board was always changing. I like when those kind of things are, uh, are games that are like that, where you don't really know until the very end what something's going to be worth. Absolutely. We, uh, we also got a couple of small deck uh, size card games in, two of which were from one of my favorite uh, game companies as of late. And we've talked about one. I don't think we've talked about the other yet, but those are Skull King and Cover Your Assets. Uh, these are from Grandpa Beck's line of games. And if you are not familiar with Grandpa Beck uh, games, you need to get a yeah, you need to get a hold of them. Uh, Grandpa Beck sells primarily off of Amazon, and uh, I would I'd highly recommend checking out their pages on Amazon. They're very affordable games. They're literally the majority of which, all but one, are just a deck of cards. And they're variations or kind of amalgamations of card games you maybe already know and love. Skull King is one I'm, I'm confident we've already talked about at some point. But um, Skull King basically is a euchre trick-taking style game with 
the idea that there's not just four suits and one is the Trump. There are multiple things going on. There's ways to win. There's ways to Trump the Trump to Trump that Trump and ways to automatically lose. And the key with it is the bidding system. And you're bidding on how many hands you think you will or will not win. And that's how you score points. And Skull King's fun. There's so much player interaction with Skull King. Like it's, it is no question, uh, probably one of my favorite new fine games from this past year i've enjoyed playing it uh and we get a lot of play to it but the other one we finished the game this time (laughs) (laughs) our our teaching game was only eight of ten rounds for Stuart the first time but um the other one we played was um cover your assets and Stuart, that was your first time playing that what kind of what what's the premise and what'd you think uh, it was really fun. Basically, uh, you get a hand of four or five cards, depending on how many people you have, and you're trying to make pairs. Uh, and you've got all these assets, like you know, baseball cards and a bank account and jewels. That was the big one this last game. Oh <laughs> was the family jewels? Uh, you can have a home or a sports car, and so you're just trying to make little pairs, and then you you stack them in front of you, and you can alternate and stack them on top of each other, you know, to cover them. And anything on top can be stolen by an opposing player. Uh, and so basically you do a little war moment right there. So if I say I have, you know, to the stack of two sports cars and someone else wants that and they have one of the sports card cars, they can say, all right, I want to steal that. And so they lay down the sports card car and then you have to counter it with another sports car or a wild and there's silver and there's gold. And so the, uh, the cards are varying values anywhere from 5,000 all the way up to 50,000 being the gold. And so if you can't play something that, um, matches it after you've been battled and you're doing the little war moment whoever plays the last card of that gets to then steal or keep that pile and so some of these piles can be worth you know a hundred two hundred thousand dollars and the ultimate goal is to get to a million dollars in assets over the course of you know what Isaac said was four to six rounds even though the, <laughs> the first game Susan just annihilated us in two rounds so it's fun it's a little kind of you know get you gotcha gotcha kind of games and um yeah, it was it was really fun. It plays pretty quickly, depending on how many rounds you do, uh, and it's fun because you think you've got it covered. You may have that big big stack covered with three or four more assets on top of it, and people just start coming after you. And uh, well, that happened to you, I think, this last game. You had oh, yeah. the jewels that maybe you. I think what Chloe ended up with it. She stole it on the very last turn after it had been stolen probably five or six times. It's a little. It's kind of like a little. Uh, what is it? Uh, Secret Santa, or what is it? The, oh, the white elephant. White elephant. <laughs> it's kind of a white elephant game in that sense, where it kind of gets stolen all the time. So it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it, and yeah, I think you said there was a another version of it coming out soon, right? That's more kid oriented. Yeah, the uh, folks over at Grand Vex Games are running a Kickstarter in May uh, for a cover your assets that is a uh, kind of creatures like weird creatures silly creatures i believe there's a narwhal one of them's a pigsy uh p-i-g-x-i-e or something like that it's a half pig half pixie and you actually they they revealed this today um you have a little player mat instead of creating one pile you're actually creating two separate piles so you have two piles you have to defend at any given time so uh, you have like creatures that live in the mountain and creatures live in the sea. So um, it, it looks good. I, I just can't like I can't get over how much Grandpa Beck's games. Not only are they are they quick and easy, they're a lot of fun, and they probably offer the most player interaction of all the games I have. Like 
there's so much player interaction in these games. You're not playing a four-player solo game with their games. So if you, if you have a group that you really want to like have a good time and get everybody at the table hooting and hollering and you know having fun, like it brings the teenage girl who's maybe a little quieter out of her shell and <laughs> starts starts uh, letting people know how good she is at a game. So I highly recommend any of their games, and those are two we got to get to this weekend. Uh, another small one we got to play was uh, from Game Right. That's Rolling America. Rolling America is a roll and write. It's a little older roll and write. It's real simple. Uh, you get six, seven color dice. You roll them, and you have a map that basically looks like the U.S. And you're trying to fill in numbers. And the key with this is all the boxes in it that it would be states are kind of wonky shapes, and they touch in different corners and different edges. And any any areas that touch have to be either the same number or one or one or one number higher or lower and so anytime and like most rolling rights honestly you start feeling really good and then it starts getting closer and closer and crunchier or i'm sorry and more towards crunch time where you go yeah i i can't finish this the way i want it to uh it's a fun simple game another one that's easy for us to get out and and just get a quick play of and um it was Stuart's first time playing it. What do you think? Do you feel good early on in that one also? Oh, it's like, yeah, this is going really well, and I've got things divided, and then the first one comes up, and you're like, oh, God, where am I going to put this? And then you, because when you put the one down, it has to be touching twos the next time or ones. So, you know, if you put a four down, you've got a lot of options. You know, half the roll numbers can, can fit within that. But, yeah, the ones and the sixes just it wrecked me and I got annihilated <laughs> but I think you said Chloe had the best ever score that you've tracked on that game yeah she yeah. Got, I think she had like a six yeah she only had six states that were X'd out yeah it's like the score is based on how many you couldn't feel couldn't fill so that's uh it's a fun one for that another good roll and write we got to play uh was Doppelit Doppelit so Cleaver uh which is part two to the Gans Cleaver um game out of germany and and i think i think i saw something online about those all getting picked up um by stronghold games um and i don't you know, did you see anything about that or do you remember seeing that yeah i think that's who's picking those up and we could be seeing those hopefully in the near future but uh great little game gone so cleaver um one that a lot of people are familiar with uh doppelit kind of changes around add some little nuances with the dice um, but a lot it, more challenging yeah, it was it was uh, it was definitely a more thinkier game, and sure, you've had a chance to play it before we sat down, right? Yeah, yeah, and I've got the app too. The app has been released, so it's a lot of fun. It's got some of the same mechanics with you know the blue and the white dice having to add up to a certain number, but every every color now has a lot more options, and it's um, it gets progressive. You, you you start chaining a lot more things together. There's a lot more bonuses. There's an extra bonus. So if you're familiar with the game, you know, if you pick a four, then everything underneath four, you know, three, two, one, those dice have to go away into the, the off the off pile. And then the other players at the end of your turn can choose from those. Well, there's a ability now that allows you to take back something that's been exiled, basically, and put it back into your role, which is a really interesting mechanic. Um, but it's just so well done. Um, the scoring can be so very, it can be anywhere between like, you know, 150 and 350. Um, let alone on yellow, I think you can score 165 points just on yellow. 
alone. <laughs> so yeah, it's nuts. And so there's lots of different strategies. So it's a fun game though that you you can't have a predetermined strategy. You just have to let the game evolve where it is. Um, you have to diversify, obviously, but you just have to let the roles take you where they take you. Yeah, it's it's one I do enjoy. And, and again, quick little games are are a great thing. We had. Uh, uh, we had opportunities to play games, but we also had opportunities where it was like, well, we got about 20 minutes. Let's get something out. And uh, we made sure we had a good variety of those type of games. Um, another dice rolling game we got to play was the uh, the newest um, release from Dice Masters over with WizKids, the Justice Campaign Box. And for those that may or may not be familiar, we have a good history of, of Dice Master play competitively. And um, this is the new second campaign, third campaign box they released. They released a Marvel one, they released a Warhammer one, and this is the third. And the thing with these campaign boxes, if, if Dice Masters is something you've looked at in the past, or maybe you've played Couriers and never really wanted to get into the CCG aspect of Dice Masters, you can go with one of these campaign boxes, and there is plenty of stuff there to make a couple teams and just have a good time. And it's very thematic. Uh, Stuart and I kind of divided the cards up and said, all right, you take the villains, I'll take the Justice League, and, and let's kind of see how it goes. And uh, I think for people that are looking for a themed game in superheroes, there really is not um, a game I'd recommend more than Dice Masters for a fun, like, you can pit whoever you want, right? You want to pull Captain America and Iron Man against, you know, all Hydra and, and you know, and uh, Captain... Uh, or I'm sorry, Red Skull, you can put all those things together. And, and this gave us an opportunity to get some of those DC superheroes out and, and really have a fun time with them. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it's similar to another game that we're going to talk about soon. And so um, if you like right one, it. what's that? Lead right into yeah, it. and so um, we played a lot of Dice Throne this weekend as well. Uh, I picked up Season 1. Um, we've talked about some of the characters in Season 2 that we've reviewed and played. Um, so if you're a Dice Throne fan, um, you know, consider, you know, picking up a campaign box for Dice Masters too. And um, it's not necessarily similar in the mechanics, but the, the back and forth is really similar in that you get uh, some of those superheroes that we talked about. Or if you're interested in, in some of those other IPs like Dragons and or Dungeons and Dragons or Warhammer, uh, can be right up your alley as well. Uh, so like we said, uh, we played some Dice Throne Season 1. I think between all of us, we played all the characters. Oh, yeah all six characters uh, this weekend. Uh, I personally played the Elf Moon and uh, the Paladin, uh, and they both similar, I had a lot of similarities with uh, the season two character that I played, which was the Valkyrie. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, it's just fun. It's it's The games can be short or they can be <laughs> quite long, depending on how much life gain a certain opponent is doing. Uh, life gain. <laughs> Uh, but it was a, it's a lot of fun. It's it's really simple to understand. Uh, it's really easy to set up. The game trays are, are really convenient. Uh, and it's just really done well. The art is really great. Uh, the mechanics are really smooth. Uh, you don't really, you know, you got to make sure you pay attention to your dice. Like when you have a large straight, you're trying for something else and you don't even realize you have a large straight and then it gets pointed out after you reroll. Thanks, Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. Uh, the, the second game, or the I guess the third or fourth game we played, it was the last game we played last night. Oh, and we're like, like oh, we're just, let's just get one more in. And it must have lasted probably 45 minutes or yeah, so. We did the, uh, Isaac was the barbarian. 
and if you haven't played him, it's a very straightforward character. He just deals a ton of damage and can do a ton of life gain, and that's about it. And uh, I was playing the Elf Moon, and the first time I played her, I wasn't able to get any of her tokens out to really do inflict anything, uh, like targeting or uh, basically damage mitigation completely. And um, so I lost pretty quickly the first game. The second game, I was rolling all those tokens and getting all of those out there. And I got Isaac down really quick, down in the 20s, and then down into the teens. And I was still sitting around like 40 or 30. And then I was stuck at 28, I think, for, I don't know, what seemed like 20 turns. And all he was doing was rolling health to, re to heal himself. So I'd be like dealing nine, he'd heal seven. I'd deal 10, he'd deal, he'd heal eight. And <laughs> it was just floating for a while. Oh yeah. So I was able to eventually whittle him down and it was fitting because I, I, I finished him off with an ultimate, which was all five dice rolling a six and I inflicted yeah, a, I you know, 15 lost. damage or something. <laughs> well, the, the thing I like with that too, are the cards and the, in the card play of like, you know, it's it's a dice rolling game, but it's there's so the dice rolling game is the luck part, yeah. right? But the card play is the skill part, and the and the lining it up to, okay, is this the right time for me to switch all my dice? And as my opponent has some, they can switch their dice, and um, just finding ways to like I blew up a couple of his combos on that last one, just forcing a reroll or changing a die, and and that was what saved me for another turn or two. So. Um, I love love Dice Throne. I did not get in on it on e either of the season one or two Kickstarters. Uh, I got a bad feeling when season three comes up. I'm gonna be spending a lot of money. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we're uh, about to go through a border checkpoint here, so we'll be back with you in just a moment. And we're back. We're back to talking about all these games that we got to play. We just talked about Dice Throne a little bit. I want to move on to another dice related game this is a classic for me this is one i was introduced to from randy who backed this one on kickstarter uh randy's not a big kickstarter backer uh, but when he does i usually take notice on what he's going after because he uh he, he has an eye for some some cool stuff and this one's sagrada sagrada from floodgate games is um probably one of the prettiest games i own uh visually it's very very simple in design but it just looks good. Like it just begs to have, please take my photo and put me on Instagram uh, kind of boards. So uh, Sagrada is great. We enjoyed playing that. We got to get that one to the table uh, with myself and uh, my wife and daughter and uh, Stuart's wife and uh, just, just a lot of fun. I really enjoy Sagrada. Um, it seemed like she enjoyed it too. She's played that before, right? Rachel's a big fan. Yeah. And, and so that's just another one of those very thinky games, but doesn't require like okay give me half an hour and come back i'm gonna set this up um just a really good one highly recommend if you enjoy enjoy some dice chucking um getting a sagrada to the table uh another one we had the actually we played it three times it looks like is uh century spice road from over at uh plan b games and um, Stuart, I know you've played both. Do you have a favorite of the of the two, the Century games? Uh, Eastern Wonders, the second one. Uh, yeah, d uh, probably. I've only played Eastern Wonders once. Uh, we haven't gotten to the table enough. Um, definitely probably Spice Road for me. And, and if I had to pick between that and the Golem Edition, definitely the Golem Edition. <laughs> no question. Yeah. So, yeah, really nice, fun game. Uh, you know, it's a card drafting game, and you're trying to – get an engine going to try to get more of the colored cubes and uh you know upgrade your cubes to the higher value ones to get more victory point cards 
Um, and it becomes a real race at the end where you're really trying to figure, all right, what are my, what is my opponent going for? Can they get there before I can? And if they can, how do I completely change strategies? <laughs> Which is exactly, it really came down to the last card, I think, the, the, the second game we played oh, yeah. between me, you, and Susan. And um, I think Rachel was playing too, yeah. So, yep. And uh, Susan did exactly what she needed, and she was just that one turn ahead of me to get that last one. And I think you ended up taking it, though. You had quite a few points there. The, yeah, I think the one of the games she smoked us. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it is, and it's that like as you're building your engine, like you're you're making an assumption on what cards are going to come out that you can buy. And the first one it was perfect for me, and the second one I just couldn't. I had kind of a flimsy engine build going, and then it didn't want the the uh, gems or the gems. In this case, the cubes that I could get. So it's it's a great deck builder. Um, it's pretty. Even the regular version is still really nice, but the Golem Edition definitely shines as far as the visual aesthetics go. And if you're looking between the two, I still would recommend the Golem. Um, do you, they have some great uh, maps that you can buy for it that have everything set up for it. Do you you've, the, got, you've got a map or two, right? Yeah, I got the a regular map for both. I don't have the Golem map. That's one I wouldn't mind getting, uh, even though I don't functionally need it. But, you know, I don't functionally need any of this stuff. <laughs> I just want it. There's a difference. As long as the bank account can still function. <laughs> that is very true. Um, let's see. We got to play another couple of bigger games. There's three games. We only got to the table once, uh, but they were ones that uh, one was new for Stuart. The other two were new for him at our Gen Con event that we had uh, just a few months ago. But we were able to, um, I think, I think very much a, a win, able to get you um, to play one of them so you could figure out what you want to do with the Kickstarter. So we're going to take a quick pit stop, um, literal pit stop, and get some gas. And um, we'll be back to talk about those three games in just a minute. All right, so we're back. We've got a rest stop in, in Y, W-H-Y, Arizona. And, uh, That's a good question. And it is. It makes me feel like I'm back in the U.S., though, with, the, you know, indoor plumbing and uh, some... There's indoor plumbing, <laughs> just not underground plumbing. Oh, underground plumbing. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, a, lot, a lot of cacti around. So uh, we're looking at, uh, I said three, but actually four of the bigger games, a little more setup time, a little more gameplay time that we got to play. Uh, Stuart was in on three of those four. Uh, I got to play four of the four. And two of them, uh, I'm sorry, one of them was new to Stuart. And uh, I, think, I think we'll start with that one, with the one that was new to him. I've had a chance to play it a few times. It was one of my top games of 2018. And with the right crowd, and we'll talk about why that's important here in just a second, uh, one of the best games you will have a chance to get to the table, and that is Root from Leader Games. Now, Root, for those unfamiliar, is a coin-based uh, combat game. It is a game where you are controlling one of up to four, the expansion adds two more, uh, factions that are asymmetrical in nature. And we throw around a bunch of different words, I think, in the gaming community. We forget to define what they mean, but... An asymmetrical game is different than a game like, let's say, Sagrada that we were just talking about, where Sagrada has you and me playing the game, and we all have the same objectives. Throw the dice on the mat, try and hit the mat, and it's going to be going towards the same type of things. There are variations to how we score points, but for the most part, I know how you're trying to score points. You know how I'm trying to score points. They're very similar. In an asymmetrical game, we all are trying to score victory points, but our paths to them can be somewhat different or markedly different. 
And the thing with Root is they are very different games. It is like you're playing three to four mini games uh, all going at each other at the same time. It is a lot of player interaction. If you do not interact with other players, you will lose, as we saw very easily. Even if you do, <laughs> you will lose. <laughs> and there's there's a lot of player interaction uh, for Root that's really important to the, to the mechanics of the game. But basically, it's a combat game where you play one of a few different factions. We use the Marquise de Cats, which are the cats uh, trying to overthrow and basically dominate the forest. Uh, Stuart got to play the Irie, which are the bird faction. They come in and swoop in and try and have dominance through nesting throughout the forest. And I played the Woodland Alliance, which is made up of the mouse, the fox, and the rabbits, who are all the other little creatures who are just kind of scurrying around on the undertow of the forest, trying to defend it, trying to get an uprising and take out these big powerhouses. They were trying to dominate the board. Uh, we had a great time playing this. It was uh, a first time, like I said, uh, not only for Stuart, but also for his wife. My wife has played it once before, and she warmed up to it a little bit more this time, I think, than she did the first time that she played it. But uh, Root... Played as a, a team. A team, yeah. yeah. It, it's a great game uh, to, to note that. This is a great game to teach alongside of somebody say hey you're gonna play this game with me i've played it before but let me why don't you partner up with me kind of we'll make these decisions together as a learning experience and uh root does a really good job also giving you turn one and turn two walkthrough uh stuart what'd you think of that because have you played a game that's done that before i had never played a game that uh, walked through all the possibilities that well so basically there was a, a sheet that for every for the first two turns for every faction it told you exactly what you can do and so what it did is it highlighted all the options that you have each turn and it scripted it for you so it said okay your person is going to do this and you're going to recruit here and then you're going to move a couple people there and then you're going to build this and then you're going to not you know maybe do this extra thing here and so it scripted that for two turns for everybody so it gave everybody an equal opportunity to kind of set up their area uh, and then it really highlighted, okay, I could do this or that next time. And so which one do I want to do based off of what everyone else is doing? So I thought that was extremely helpful. Uh, you know, sometimes they kind of do that scenario kind of in the rule book or, or whatever. But this was a, everyone got to look at this and it visually showed you exactly what you needed to do. And you don't have to do that every time, obviously. But it was extremely helpful for a first-time player. Well, and not only walked through everything but it literally like here you're going to roll dice to combat you rolled a zero they rolled a three so it left little to little to to uh, the imagination with that i will say the first time i played this after turn two we just kind of sat around like where's turn three what are we supposed to do next like uh but it does set you up and and this is a game you definitely need to play a few times you need to play a few different factions to really get a handle on what the game is doing because it's very important to be able to look around the board and route and see what other people are trying to do um to be able to slow them down i know what my faction does well i also know what everybody else's does well so i was able to say hey you know, as a, as a learning game, like, guys, don't let me do this, because if I do this next, I'm going to start cruising in victory points. Or, hey, let's stop this person over here from doing that, because if they do that, then they're going to start cruising in the cats. Maybe the cats shouldn't have, you know, eight factories out there making wood, and so <laughs> they have wood everywhere, and we can't ever defeat them. Yeah, we made the mistake of letting the cats run a little too wild at first, and um, we, we just never came after them very well and uh, that, that led to our demise long term but uh, Root also has a neat system with 
Uh, everybody's trying to get to 30 victory points to win, but there's a few cards that are alternate win conditions. And if you can knock one of those alternate win conditions out, you basically sacrifice all your victory points and say, this is the win condition I'm going for instead. If I can achieve it at the end of my turn, I win. It, they're hard to achieve, but in three-player game, I could totally see, and honestly, where um, where the where wives could have easily multiple turns where they actually won, have uh, won with that, and that's what they ended up winning with anyway. Where it, yeah, so it was uh, it was a great game, a lot of fun to play. One, I'm glad I was able to uh, help get to the table, and and Stuart, uh, it was kind of hemming and hawing on. Um, on what to do with leader games here because they have something going on currently, don't they? Yeah, they've got a Kickstarter for their next expansion. I guess it's technically the second expansion, right? Yeah. Uh, which is going to, you know, add another player mat and a couple of new factions, I think, and uh, or another player board, I'd say, yeah. that can do a lot of variants. I will say that the the, the base game has a uh, most uh, two-sided player board. The expansion that adds the two more factions has another two-sided player board. And so this uh, this next expansion um, introduces some new cards and some new mechanics, and I think uh, some variations on some of the factions already. So I wanted to make sure I got a play-in of this to decide whether I wanted to back it, because it's still got, I think, three or four days left. So by the time you hear this, maybe it'll be over. Uh, but I wanted to jump on that if we enjoyed it, and we did. So, and what I will say too about the, the asymmetrical nature of the game, I think I love games like that. Um, from the replayability. Obviously a lot of games, if it's, it's really straightforward, then you kind of know what you're doing, or if there's different paths to victory uh, within the set parameters, I always find those games more interesting. But now that this has, you know, we'll have six plus different factions, I mean, I could play this for a whole year and still not feel like I've mastered all the factions, which I think is really exciting. And, and from um, just a teaching new people playing standpoint, and then the wife and I, Rachel and I, sitting down and and really kind of getting the full maximum value out of the game. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's got so much of that potential for difference every time you sit down and play it. Which um, anytime you do that with a board game, I think it it keeps it on the shelf a little bit longer, and maybe not one that I want to play like every day, but one I can come back and be like, you know, let, let's take a challenge of of trying this pathway or this. Um, this set character and see how it goes. So, Root is a, a phenomenal game for that, and and one I've I, I gotta recommend if you if you haven't had a chance to get it to the table. The artwork is really fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it it is a war game. So for those who played any of the older like GMT war games, like you're looking at something that's a battle head to head. You know, uh, maybe at a simpler like what we grew up with type of game. It's a risk type of game where you're trying to battle with so much more going on, but then skinned with a very cute, you know, raccoon. There's a, you know, a va- va- yeah, the cats, the birds, the mice, the, vagabond. yeah, the vagabond is a trash panda. Like you get all of those, uh, <laughs> you get all of those little cutesy characters, which honestly is probably why my wife looked at it and went, okay, sure. Let's try it. Let's see what happens. Um, so, Isaac, you've played Scythe a lot more than I have. I've only played yep. it once. How does this compare to Scythe? Because Scythe is kind of, a, in, in a very vague sense, or in a generic sense, you're getting resources, you're trying to get territory, you're battling people for dominance. How, so how does this compare to that? Well, Scythe at its core is not a battle war game. You battle because you need to achieve a... You can go through all of Scythe and, and have maybe one or two or even less battles in the whole game. It's, it's definitely not a combat focused game 
um, where Scythe is more of that worker placement on your little board and then resource collection. So it's a you're picking up resources, you're delivering them to, to build things. Um, Rue, at, at its core, is a you're going to win because you're beating up other people or you're winning combats and you're gaining victory points through that. So that's, that's definitely where that shines different. Um, the player interaction in Scythe is very limited. Uh, that is definitely not a uh, focus of that game. I love them both. If you put them both in front of me, if you had them both set up on a table, ready to play, and ask me which one I'd rather play, I'm probably going to lean towards Scythe. I really enjoy that game. Uh, and if it's my wife and I standing there, it's probably going to be Scythe. Uh, with the right group of friends that I play with, um, Root might win out because most of those people won't play Scythe with me anymore. Uh, <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> I, I do really well at Scythe. I do enjoy it. Um, my friend Gene, I've managed to almost completely fill his achievement sheet that's in the box uh, with my own name, so he loves that. Um, but that's another game we're going to talk about soon where we're banning <laughs> Isaac cards. <laughs> they, so, uh, as a side note, since we're talking about Scythe now, um, there's factions in Scythe, and I have one that I really like. Um, that I would go to often. And so they started picking them for me when we play. And then I've won the last couple times that they've picked the what they think is the worst one. I'm like, well, I don't like this one. But we'll find a way to win. So Scythe is very much a plan way ahead game where you need to see what's going on. And you also need to know what other people are doing and maybe not put as much focus on on one of those things. So uh, I really like it. It's it's a fun game. It's, it's a top 10 game for me no question anytime something comes out of Stonemeyer, it's it's uh, gotta have your attention as, as a game that's gonna be quality um, so the other two we played are ones that Stuart has played and actually has played one uh, one of them twice one of them once at um, at my house back in at Gin Con 2019 uh, one of those I'll start with um, well actually Stuart which one would you start with which one did you like more well, let's talk about Viticulture first, because that was a game I really wanted my wife to play. One, because she likes wine, and so the theme really hit home to her. <laughs> and and two, uh, it's just a really interesting, fun game. Um, and, you know, you go through the seasons, you're trying to build your wineries and get your uh, roots down, um, get your grapes, make your wine, all that stuff. But uh, it's really interesting because it's not really... It's not similar to anything that Rachel's played before in terms of worker placement, but running, uh, having the cap on it, you know, so there's only a couple things that you can do and you got to make sure that you get your workers down at the right time to be able to do those things. Uh, so that was a new mechanic or a spin on a mechanic, I guess I should say, uh, that I wanted Rachel to see, uh, to see if she enjoyed, uh, that game. And, you know, a lot of people will play games because of the theme, um, I knew the theme was interesting, you know, because we both enjoy wine. So she was like, oh, this is cute. Uh, but there's a lot more to the game than just that, you know. Uh, and it is it is a challenging game, something you got to think ahead about. There's a lot of uh, positioning on the board, obviously, with the worker placements. And my wife, once she picks up on, um, on the strategy, she can definitely take it to its max. And I think she did extremely well for playing it her first time she won yeah uh, so i mean yeah she did do very well with it um it, it is it is a plan ahead game and like you said it's a good worker placement game uh once you got the mechanics of it it is a nice um aspect in that it's a game that just repeats itself 
And so once you get a handle on it, you can kind of see where it's going. And at its core, I think when I learned it, I, there's just so much going on. You just couldn't kind of see the progression that, you know, to plant, to pick, to crush, to build, to make the wine and then fill the orders. I mean, that's at its core what the game is. There's so much else going on in that game. But every time I played it, and I usually explain this to people, it starts really slow. You're getting negative one points, maybe one point, negative two or three points. And once... Yeah, I think we both took like negative four at oh the yeah. beginning just to get more coins. Yeah, I always take negative points at the at the get-go. And once that mechanic gets going, oh, that game starts flying. And it really comes down to, did you get the right orders for what you have? And if you did, you're, you're, you're cruising along. And a lot of my order cards were not ones I could fill. And, uh, you know, you're more successful when you're able to get to that. Stuart might have won um, had he not been sabotaged at the end. But Yeah, that's right. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Isaac. I Isaac's just... a great person to play games with, guys. He's really fun. <laughs> I, uh, I had dominance, I think, on three territories with the stars. Yeah. Uh, and I had done the math, and I was like, all right, well, Rachel can only get this many more, and so I think we're going to actually tie, so this will work out great, um, you know, so we'll, everyone ends up happy, and then you you did something at the very end and moved one of my stars off. I moved mine to yours. Or you moved, yeah, you did something to where I, I net lost four, I think, and Rachel gained five. <laughs> Yeah. completely swung everything in the different direction. <laughs> yeah, I gave I gave her the victory points off of one and then lost him the victory points on his. Yeah, um, yeah you know, he said he wanted to make sure his wife enjoyed the game, so I was, help- exactly, yeah. I was helping him do that. It was a win-win for her. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe I'd have a chance at the end, but it, it wasn't enough, and it mainly just sabotaged him. But, um, you know, it's, As it, all good friends do. <laughs> Viticulture is just one of those pretty games that uh, the art's by Beth Sobel. She's my favorite artist. Uh, and the it, art is subtle. It's not overly stimulating. Oh yeah. A lot of games, you know, that we've been talking about, you know, like the Sagradas or yep. or the dice games we've been playing too, they're very bright and vibrant. This is very mellow and calming almost. Oh, yeah. uh, and so it's a different style of art that's really engaging. Yeah, that's a great point. Beth Sobel's art is, is very passive. It's beautiful, but it's not... You know, beating you over the head. She did some of the stuff for Wingspan. Uh, she's done Viticulture. Um, there's just a lot of games that, uh, that, like Stuart said, are trying to beat you over the head. And this one's got a nice, subtle beauty to it. And it really fits that vineyard, calm feel. I'm not a wine drinker, um, but, I, but that doesn't change the fact that I love this game. Uh, it's a classic game. We got to play with a uh, new expansion with some new summer. I think it was the visitors from the more uh, summer and winter cards a new deck of those which is nice to kind of vary it up a little bit and um, you know anytime you make small tweaks to a game I, I do enjoy the the ability to kind of see something in a new eye for just a minute or two so um, viticulture is a great one I'm glad we got to the table glad he got his wife a uh, chance to play it and she seemed to really enjoy it so it's a win all around um, the other one we got to play was um Orleans. And Orleans is one I've talked about before. We this is a deluxe edition. I've got it all pimped out. We've got the Trader and Intrigue expansion that we played with some of those components as well. Um, the new countdown cards for each round. The new um, new board off to the side where you send your pieces. It's 
um, was was changes from what you had played, Stuart, because you yeah. played it twice, and so those were, were an addition and a change. But this one brings an interesting mechanic in bag building, and um, as it kind of implies with the word building, it's kind of similar to a deck building mechanic. However, you're building up a bag of characters. As you buy them, you add them to your bag, and they're going to go out and fulfill placement in a um, type of uh, action they're going to take, whether it's you know moving around a board, whether it's picking up resources, or um, strengthening areas where you already have workers to add to them or make them stronger. Uh, Orleans is uh, just a great game from Tasty Minstrel, one that uh, has had some retail um, additions, but the deluxe Kickstarter one really sings and really makes a, uh, a beautiful game when you lay it out on the table. Stuart, this is your third time playing it. Kind of where are you at with it? What do you think? Is this one you'd like to add? Is it one you just really like playing? What, what, where does it sit for you? Yeah, I mean, all those things. I'd love, it's, I'd love to get it. I definitely want to get the deluxe edition, but it's I'm not going to spend <laughs> $200 and scour eBay every day and wait for a year. So I think I may get the uh, little chit holders yep. that... Uh, coin capsules. Yeah, the coin capsules. That, who just sells those again? Uh, BGG. Yep. Yeah. So uh, it really does make a difference picking up something with a little weight to it uh, in your bag versus just a little piece of cardboard, trying to fish around your bag to find the cardboard pieces. Uh, yeah, it's great. I think I've done worse every time I've played it since uh, the first time, uh, but it still hasn't lessened the experience. It's been a, a great time playing it, and uh, yeah, we discovered that we're banning a couple uh, tiles that you know Isaac's just never allowed to play with because we're all dumb enough or too dumb, not smart enough to get them before he does, and so. I think Susan has is going to go burn those tiles, or she will not play this game with you ever again. I have two tiles that I really like for this game that really, really speed up the process. It lets you draw, um, draw a couple extra workers and lets you place a couple extra on the big board, which um, really puts you at a distinct advantage um, later game with that. So, I like the, the, he gets to draw an extra tile or two extra tiles and pick one, one of them, back. right? Put one back. Yeah, yeah, put one back. I think that's an okay tile, but it's the one that it expands yeah, your cool. trading post yeah. to four to exile the little uh, tile chits. <laughs> uh, so he can cull his bag, but then get dominance over that extra board to get coins or the extra little dudes as multipliers. Yeah, it just it wrecks us. <laughs> and I always forget about it. Then he pulls it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that was the one I wanted. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a way to to do well um, <laughs> playing this game. But I, I learned this weekend or this week that if I want to play it more in the future, I should probably stop playing with those. So ever with your wife, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably fair. Um, so that's that's Orleans, just solid game, and again, easily in my top ten list, probably. Um, favorite, if not top three, uh, which is something we should put together. We should put a. You know, where are you at now? We should take snapshots of that here and there. Where are you at now? What are your top 10 favorite games? It'd be interesting. Well, speaking of that, how are you on your challenges for the year? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Stuart and I have used the um, board game app, the um, BG Stats, which if you haven't checked it out, totally worth it. Uh, Spent a few dollars on it to do the different challenges. I set myself up a play 100 new games, play 600 games for the year, and a 10 by 10 challenge. So play 10 different games, 10 times each. Uh, my 10 by 10 challenge is 48% there. Um, I have one game I played seven times. 
couple I played six, a handful I played four and five times. So I'm on my way. Um, Crusaders, Ingenious, Skull King, Decrypto, Lightseekers are all in there. Um, my 600 game challenge, I have 134 games played this year so far. Uh, it's 22% of my You're challenge. Not track. Yeah, You're I close. Should, I should, a quarter through the year. Should be. I should be all right. My 100 new games challenge. Um, I've played 36 new to me games so far this year. Um, it's a fair amount. I actually have to go through. There might be a few that are on here that aren't. Like I have Dice Throne Season Two on here twice because they're the individual packs. I probably need to change that. Um, but otherwise, everything else is pretty accurate. So third of the way through uh, with that as well. I fully expect that number to jump uh, at things like Origins or Packs or you know post Origins even. But uh, review copies definitely help uh, get those those numbers up a little bit as well. So um, where are you at? Uh, do you know? I know yeah, you're driving, but on my ten by ten, I'm a quarter of the way through, and we're just at the end of March, so I feel like I'm on track. Um, and then. I'm doing a, a hundred game, you know, hundred new games, but everything's basically new uh, since I started counting this year. And so um, I think I'm 33 games into my hundred games. So nice. I'm a little ahead of schedule, which is good. Uh, and then an interesting tidbit, I've played, I've tracked 51 game plays this year. And just so you know, I, obviously I live in Texas, Isaac lives in Ohio. So we're roughly a thousand plus miles away. Uh, of the 51 games, 34 have been with Isaac. Face-to-face, <laughs> -to -face, in person. Face-to-face, -face, in person. So, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think we're doing well. Yeah. yeah. I'm up in your numbers. You have to fly me out just to play games with you. Uh, we've had two opportunities to get together this year, so far this year, so it's been great. Um, it'll be a third and fourth. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, we've, we've had uh, some good gaming, and, um, you know, as Stuart gets a um, – permanent home location here in the near future um, that should help him to get some games out and, and have a game area where you just set games out right? and that'll be really nice to yeah. to just have them ready to go get my so, overpowered game mat on there and oh, just yeah. leave them all out yeah, absolutely will love that <laughs> yeah yeah definitely we've got uh, there's a kickstarter going on currently overpowered game mats where they're making custom game mats not just the here's the size but like specific to your odd shaped table round square we have a kind of a I don't even know what to call it. It's like a, it's an oval table, but the ends are like edged off. So it's not really oval. Um, and uh, some of the dimensions we have one getting made right now with our game with sidekicks logo. So I'm excited to see that one and uh, be able to get that one on my table at home. So great stuff. Just a lot of fun. Um, and one we fully expect to, <laughs> to get some use out of um, for sure. Uh, the other game we played, Stuart did not get a chance to play this one. However, it was his goal to make sure it got to the table, and we definitely made sure this got to the table the other night. Um, and this was Clank in Space from Renegade Games. Uh, Clank in Space is a variation of the original Clank game, which was a dungeon crawl. This one is a space-themed crawl through uh, Lord Eradicus's spaceship as you dive deep into his uh, lair, try and steal an artifact or two, one of which, the artifact, uh, is the uh, looks a lot like the Infinity Gauntlet. And uh, then rush back out of the ship, get an escape pod, and get out of there as fast as you can. Uh, Lord Eradicus gets angry and is always trying to attack 
or do damage to anybody that's making noise. So as in the name Clank in Space, as you make noise with certain cards, the bad cards in your deck builder, you're going to run into um, the chances to get caught more and more as you pull those from a bag. At its core, Clank in Space is a deck builder. It's a deck builder with a board uh, that is allowing you to kind of traverse, like we said, this ship back and forth. There's peril, there's things you're running into, there's things that make you faster, things that make you slower, but you've got movement, you've got purchase power, and you've got some bad stuff along the way. And uh, it's just, from a deck builder perspective, we talked about this on our way down to Mexico, from a pure deck builder perspective, Dominion is the granddaddy of everything, and it, and it is the deck builder that everything else has to point back to and say, yeah, we're kind of like Dominion plus this or Dominion with this change. And Clink does that really well. And and um, we had to play it, uh, my wife and I, with, uh, with uh, Stuart's wife, and she had a really good time with it. And uh, from what Stuart said, deck building is just kind of something that you guys do really well, right? Yeah, we, the second game we ever bought was Dominion, and we played the heck out of it. I think we own almost every expansion, and uh, it's something that we really enjoy. My wife really enjoys Rachel, um, and any type of deck builder will definitely get to the table. She's really great at it from a strategy standpoint, kind of knowing how many to buy, you know, not to overfill the deck, you know, making sure that she still has access to everything and then getting all the right pieces to flow. Uh, it's just fun that, you know, we both approach it very differently in terms of um, kind of how we want to manage our deck. I'm, I love just getting extra actions and drawing more things. And she sometimes takes a lighter approach to it and it always works out uh, for both of us. So we, we really enjoy it. And she loved the, the theme of it. You know, we're both sci-fi nerds. I think we talked about this last time. There's tons of puns in this game <laughs> between the characters and the names of the character cards and then the artifacts you're trying to get. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that Rachel got another chance to play this. We played it at home uh, with another couple of friend of ours and I'm just glad we got to the table. Sad I missed it, but yeah. glad we did. Yeah, we had a good time with it. Clanging Space is a great game and uh, one I do enjoy. I guess the final game we have to talk about that we uh, haven't mentioned, we go back to a little bit of a small game, uh, was one we got to play last time, finished up with uh, right before Dice Throne, was myself and Stuart versus uh, my wife and my daughter. And that's Decrypto from Yellow Games. Decrypto is... I enjoy teaching games. Uh, I feel like I do a pretty good job of teaching people how to play a game, and I'm pretty concise with rules and, and make sure that it flows well. To crypto, I still can't figure out how to teach it well. So I feel like you explain it, you teach it. It's, it's not a hard premise, but most people just kind of stare at you and go, what? You do what now? At its core, Decrypto is a party game. It is a word selection game where you have four clues that your whole team knows but each round you have to give clues in an order that varies it up so you have a one two three four a word attached to each one and uh, you might have a card that says give clues for three and then number one and then number two and so you have to write those clues down you have to make them good enough that your team recognizes the clue that goes for the words that they all see but not so much that your opponent can start putting the clues together to try and figure out the word after multiple rounds we played the first game and it went pretty poor for us um, yeah. yeah it was it was not pretty we were not giving good enough clues so we doubled well, down pretty well, hard not only apparently we weren't giving good enough clues for ourselves but the girls oh, yeah. figured out exactly what our words were <laughs> from our clues our clues were really bad <laughs> so we doubled down hard and 
pretty much nerded out our last four words. We had arm, Germany, pirate, pirate, and punk. punk. Um, and so we, we had some crazy uh, words for those. We ended up winning that one. It went like six rounds before we get it. But um, so we had, uh, what was the, probably the, the nerdiest aspect of that? Um, we decided to go full on game and Marvel on it. And so at one point we had given three different Marvel characters, but for three different of the words. <laughs> so the girls were utterly confused as to what was happening. Uh, but you did spider hyphen for one of them for punk. So we had spider punk for arm. I did doc Ock. And then what was the other one that we did? Um, it was another, Oh, you did Yondu for oh, pirate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which my wife was like, yeah, I know who Yondu is. He's from guardians of the galaxy. He's that blue guy. And I'm like, Oh no, maybe this was too good of a clue. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think I expected to grab that one, but it was fun. It was very, uh, very back and forth. Like, ah, I see what you did there. You did a uh, spiel. Yes, for, for Germany and I did wagon hoping you'd figure out the Volkswagen part yeah I totally missed that <laughs> my favorite was from our first game though I, uh, we had the word love and uh, I did with the people we and I think my wife thought it was like like a declaration of independence thing or something like some type of document and uh, what I was going for was our game of sidekicks uh, mantra which is games we like with the people we love and I'm like oh if he says that out loud he'll hear it <laughs> So it, was a it lot. worked. Yeah, it did. It did. So it was a lot of fun. We we uh, really had a good time playing that. It was a good. It's a good party game. As a two versus two player game, it works. Um, as a four, five, six versus six player game, it's chaotic. So, it, but chaotic in a fun way. So, highly recommended party game. It's been my go-to to teach people uh, in the recent past. Is something kind of fun and different um, that they can um, that they can try out. So. Um, I think that's everything we played. Um, Stuart, what uh, what really stood out for you? What did you enjoy the most? Uh, I just enjoyed variety. You know, we played games all different times of the day with different variations of people and places. It was just fun to get all kinds of different stuff, stuff that was new, stuff that was old, just to the table and really enjoy ourselves both, you know, at the beach uh, eating ourselves silly and playing games until all hours of the night <laughs> and hoping that Riker would sleep in so we could get a few hours of sleep. <laughs> well, time change made it. So it, to me, it's, it's just like, oh, yeah, we slept till seven. I'm good. As my brain's telling me otherwise. And I was going to bed at like midnight, which is about, you know, 3 a.m. Yeah, when I don't go to bed, so it's normal. <laughs> uh, it was it was fun. It was, uh, you know, the trip was great. The food was amazing. Like Stuart said, we had some amazing um local eatery spots in Mexico and just in the gaming perspective like gaming to me is just that icing on the cake for for a trip like this or for just getting together with people like it's just it's that social lubricant it's a it's a thing that just really makes it easier to uh, get everybody around a table having a good time like you know we would we wouldn't have sat there and you know especially having teenager one teenager and one very close to being a teenager it really opens up that like like, hey, let's just have a good time with this. And you get to see sides of the kids, the competitive sides, silly sides, and um, stuff you normally wouldn't see. Yeah, and, you know, we were down there for five days, and the TV was on once. And it was to play, what was the dance game? We, oh, uh, 
Just Dance. We played Just Dance on the Switch. on the Nintendo Switch uh, because we wanted uh, to get Riker to start dancing, and he had a blast watching us make fools of ourselves. <laughs> and so it was great. And you know, along with playing the games, you know, we're playing the games, but we also talked about life and family and all kinds of stuff while we were playing the games and so it just opens up so many more doors to do stuff beyond what you know just staring at a tv or being you know so into what you're doing in life you know we, we all did a little bit of work while we were there but we weren't overly consumed by it and just enjoyed ourselves with each other yeah, absolutely absolutely so like we said, our mantra is the games we like with the people we love. We, you know, you need to make that time to, to do those things. And, and we were lucky to be able to, to come down and have uh, Stuart and his family host us and have a good time doing that. So if you're able to make it down here to this part of Mexico, it's uh, just a beautiful area and, and one we thoroughly enjoyed. So um, I think our next uh, our next interaction is going to be uh, more than likely Origins, which is coming around the corner. Uh, we'll be having some, hopefully we'll get some time on the podcast. Stuart and I are origin veterans. Uh, we've, we've had some time out there. Um, and so we're going to be talking a little bit about the do's, the don'ts, the things we're looking forward to when it comes to origins gaming wise. Schedule's coming out soon. Yeah. The schedule drops, um, I think April 4th, I think. So yeah, by next week we should know what all is available. And the schedule is always a fun thing to go through and start to get an idea, uh, what you may or may not want, want to be able to do. So be looking for that also in the near future as some other ideas pop up that uh Stuart and I are hoping to talk through as well and we want to hear from you guys if you have uh questions concerns opinions things you'd like us to talk about please let us know drop us a line at either Isaac I-S-A-A-C at gamingwithsidekicks.com or Stuart S-T-U-A-R-T at gamingwithsidekicks.com and we can have those conversations with you and maybe get your questions or comments featured here on the podcast so in a wrap up, uh, we want to thank you again for joining us here at the Gaming with Sidekicks podcast. You can check out more information on our website over at www.gamingwithsidekicks.com along with our social media pages where we are very active on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook. Make sure you're checking out especially those pages for contests as we have them coming up. We just recently did a playmat giveaway with uh, the overpowered uh, game mat group their kickstarter and uh, i think we have a few more coming in the near future from some other kickstart groups of games so check those out and uh, make sure you get back to us with any feedback or comments you have uh, until then we want to encourage you to keep playing those games you like hanging out with those people you love and we will get back to you again next time this has been isaac along with my co-host Stuart. thank you sir for um, driving me everywhere Always a pleasure. Indeed. And until next time, folks, keep rolling those dice, playing those cards, and we'll see you next time. See ya. <laughs> I don't think we have a, a post-show post question or comment. Uh, hasta luego. Hasta luego. Hasta la bye-bye. <laughs> hasta la vista, baby.